you're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. I'm Megan DiMartino, and it is Friday, the 18th of December. This is the last Friday before Christmas. Can we believe it? This very, very unique year. And it is my joy to, truly my joy, to introduce to you a truly unique leader today. Unique leaders came from just really interviewing people or visiting really with people uh, that I knew and it during the lockdown and in that it was amazing how people resonated with their stories and what I often heard was wow I never knew that about so-and-so or wow I thought that that was unattainable and so I realized that it was about sharing individual stories we're truly unique leaders and we all are unique leaders, but their uh, secrets are in their stories. So each week we visit with a unique leader and they share their story of success and where they are today, but where it began. So without further ado, I am, as I said, joyful to introduce to you today, the Friday before Christmas, Miss Lisa Copeland. Hello, Megan. Hello, my love. Thank you for joining me today. I know oh, you're busy, busy. No, my gosh. It was so great. And I'm telling, I loved your intro video. My, some of my very best friends in the whole world, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's Amy and LB and Glenn Lundy and Jan Goss. And oh, it was just beautiful. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Appreciate that. And it's been a, a really a delight to put this together uh, because it gives people like yourself an opportunity to share your story because you are out there and you've been out there so to speak for years in different arenas but that didn't just happen and so it gives people hope and an infinite understanding that they too can just get off the couch as I say and get moving and keep moving so let's go back to young Lisa share where you grew up and a little bit about that period of your life so young Lisa grew up in San Jose, California, and uh, my mom was, I'm sure she's watching this, she uh, was a grad student, um, went and got her PhD later in life, so she did great things. My dad was a Silicon Valley entrepreneur and traveled the world. Um, Lisa was a rebel. I was very hard-headed and stubborn like my dad. Uh, and you know, my mom, my mom would love to blame it on my dad. And I would say I'm probably more like him. And so that was my young life. I rode horses. I showed horses for years growing up. So horses were my thing. Um, and that's and how about you, it. And how did you, well, let's, let's stay there for a minute. So okay. mom was, um, again, an achiever. She went yes. back to school and got, yes. you know, her master's and, uh, PhD, dad, PhD excuse me. Yes. Susan, I'm sorry, your PA. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's yeah. a big deal. She will correct us, or me. And your father was an entrepreneur in Silicon yeah. Valley. Yes. You, that's a beautiful area, you know, Northern California, and uh, so you enjoyed that whole lifestyle. And um, when did you uh, realize 
was it then or did you well let me say ask you this how long did you stay in uh, northern california and when did you move out of that area and what brought you out of that area um so i was there till i was we were north until i was about 15 and then uh we i came to arlington uh, for the summer and uh, lived with my dad's sister we came out to visit her and hang out with her for a little bit and I just had a cool opportunity to be able to you know go to school there and and I wanted to and it was just different and so um, it was just it was great but boy what a difference uh, between Northern California and Texas Arlington Texas I can tell you that right now it was just a different mindset and I really resonated with the people in Texas like I came to visit and it was one of those things is like I never I just never wanted to go back to California. Mm -hmm. And so I've been in Texas ever since. And I love Texas and I love the people in Texas. And I, I love this. You know, I think I love the most. I love the spirit of Texas. Like there's just nothing going to hold us back, hold us down or any of the above. I was older than you, but that was exactly many you were 15. But when I started traveling in business nationally, and when I would come to Texas, it was like, wow, I like this place. I like these people. I like the mindset, as you said. Yeah. And, um, and so when I had the opportunity to take a job that brought me to Fort Worth, Texas, I took that opportunity. And so you're right. It is a very unique, again, place. And we recognize that. But also unique in the fact that you came by yourself, so to speak, at 15. Is that, so your parents were still in California. Yeah, and, and that was my choice. Like my mom was totally against it. Um, and she reminds me of that every once in a while. But she's glad I did do it because otherwise I wouldn't have met my husband. But, um, you know, I just called them one day and I was just like, you know, because my aunt had said, you know, if you want to, I mean, you know, you could go to school a semester here. And, you know, and times were just different then. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so I thought, well, maybe I'll try it for a semester. You know, I just, it was just one of those things. It was just about that organic also. And, you know, I don't think you could do all of that today, like what we did back in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, mm -hmm. and it was just, it was, it was an adventure. I guess that was, that was the best way to put it. And, yeah. um, but I loved it here. And so we stayed here and then, uh, my mom and dad ended up moving here once we had kids and like, the, so the whole family came to Texas. So it took them a little bit longer to figure out, um, how great Texas was. But, you know, my dad was really in love with it when he came out here and saw the kind of real estate he could purchase. Um, the first house they bought, um, I called it South Fork. It was not as big, well, it was about, probably about as big as South Fork, but, um, but it was really cool because how much more you could get for your money, um, out here and just the way of life. You know, it just wasn't the hustle bustle. And my dad had just retired. Of course, my mom had her PhD. So, I mean, she could, she could work anywhere. So she went to work for the uh, state of Texas and, um, you know, it just, it's just about pivoting. It's about life. And I, I think that I've always been open to that. And so people have always said to me, oh, I've seen you, you're a car dealer and then real estate mortgage company. I'm like, yeah, because I like pivoting doesn't scare me. And right. so, mm -hmm. and so it probably started at the age of 15 when I called my parents. I'm like, Aunt Charlotte said I could go to school here this year. Exactly. You know, we'll Why get not? to others, but that is the foundation of yeah. you and that unique spirit, that yeah. spirit that it just is embodies you. And I think most, um, I'm going to use the word adventure, you know, as I speak to people, uh, not just in this show, but over the years, people that really strive out and push out the box are advent deep in their hearts are adventurers. They really are seekers of, the, you know, just out there. Yeah, so, I just, I'm just not afraid to try something new. And so it's strange that this show kind of made me think of that. But um, it just started at a young age. It's like if someone gives me an opportunity that sounds great and if I can do it, 
I'm probably going to do it if it's, you know, legal, moral, and if it's for the betterment of my family and uh, for of me and my community, I, I'm probably going to do it. So here you were in school and you're, as you said, your folks came later. Now, do you have siblings? I do. I've got a sister who also ended up moving here later in life. So she lives here in Austin and she's lived here. Gosh, she's lived here 30, no, 30 years, but probably 20 years, 25 years. So yeah, she's my younger sister and uh, she works for AT&T and been there for 15 years. And so, yeah, like the whole family's here. The trailblazer, Lisa. And then I, I guess I should say my grandparents who now are deceased, um, but they also moved out here. Oh my gosh. Oh, and my grandpa loved, and he was California, born and raised San Francisco Bay Area, whatever, 49ers fan, but he loved his big black diesel truck he bought when he was in Texas. And, you know, he used to wear a cowboy hat out in California and, and he wore his cowboy hat here and he just owned being a Texan. So, you know. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. See, that is a piece I, I did yeah. not know that you were the trailblazer of the whole family. I really was. The yeah. Whole family. So yeah. then um, you went to college. Yes. Yeah, you had Art Institute of Dallas. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yep. In Dallas. Yes. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, so you went to school. And so from fashion, how did you, you use the word pivot, how yeah. did you pivot into uh, what you, the next phase, so to speak? Oh, well, the next phase for me was the automotive industry. And that really happened by accident. And, you know, I really did. I was, I uh, had a, I'm laughing. I'm, I had a good job in fashion. I really didn't. But at the time I did, I was an assistant manager uh, at the mall. And so I got like, I don't know, $4 an hour plus commission, but I was the top salesperson. So I was making like eight or $9 an hour way back then. So that wasn't bad money back in the day for somebody young. And um, I wrecked my car in front of my husband's house. He was not my husband then. And I knocked on the door and kind of the rest is history. You know, cause back then they didn't have cell phones. I couldn't call my dad. Um, I still remember him having to pull out the phone book and look up, um, look up the Contempo Casuals at the Dallas Galleria Mall to call my boss, like trying to get a hold of my dad to say I just wrecked my car. You know, it was just it was just crazy. It was just things were different back then. So, so yeah. So he and I, um, he and I started dating, and <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. The Avon lady knocked, uh, rang the doorbell, and yeah, uh, just you know, and then I ended up yeah, and so. Um, you know, it just, you know, again, you just, you never know what circumstances are going to be, but you know, I had not been paying my car insurance. That's the rest of the story. So of course my mom and dad sent the money for my bills every month. And like any good fashion major, I was spending it at my job at the mall. Mm -hmm. And so I never, you know, I mean, I, I was so far behind on my car insurance. And so when I called the insurance company go, Hey, I wrecked my car. I need a new one. <laughs> I don't want like that. And the guy's like, or the lady was like, you haven't paid like in three or four months, you don't have insurance. And I'm like, what do you mean I don't have insurance? So I don't, I don't even remember how the whole thing shook out. I just didn't have insurance. So my uh, friend, my new friend at the time, James Copeland said he had just graduated from college and he was selling cars kind of in the interim. And he said, well, you ought to sell cars because if you sell cars, then you can get a free car to drive. And I was like, oh, and then I wouldn't have to have insurance. So it, it was just that naive and just that young naive. And so I tried really hard to get a job. And nobody wanted to hire me. Um, you know, women, especially back then, they didn't want them in the car business. And my sales experience was selling skirts. But somehow through a, a mutual friend, I weaseled my way into a job selling cars at the number one Chevy store in the, actually, it was the number one domestic dealership in the United States of America right. in Dallas. And so then I was off to the races from there. Wow. What was the name of that dealer? 
Jim Johnson Chevrolet mm -hmm. in, in Plano. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. But I, that takes persistence, meaning, like you said, you didn't have I was desperate. I, I'll tell you, I didn't have a car. And Dallas, I don't think Dallas still has a good public transportation system, but they certainly did not have one back then. Mm -hmm. So either, either I was going to be walking or taking a bus or I was going to get a job as a car salesman. So, you know, I think a lot of times when our backs get put up against a wall, I think we learn how good we really are. That's right. And now, was James at that dealership or was he? No, uh, no, he, he was at another dealership across town, but it was a Chevy store. He ended up eventually coming to that dealership and going to work over there. But uh, at the time, he was not there. And so in the beginning of that experience of selling cars, did you love it? Did you hate it? Did, what did you feel about that experience? I loved it. I mean, I didn't know anything. I had never even been inside of a car dealership when I got the job because my dad had always bought my cars and like brought them home. He's like, here's your car. I mean, so I, I had never even been inside of a car dealership. So it was so different to me and I knew nothing and um, I didn't know much about cars. I mean, none of it, but I knew about people. Mm -hmm. And I learned very quickly that I, I was very good at connecting with my clients. And in fact, they liked the fact that I was not a car salesman and they were okay with the fact that I didn't know about, you know, how many cylinders or how this or that or how it works and that I would have to go ask a lot of questions. And so many clients told me, they're like, it's so refreshing to deal with somebody who I don't think is, you know, trying to rip us off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I just want you to buy a car from me. And so, I mean, I built this huge business and I built this huge referral business. You know, and so like within six months, um, I wasn't even really having to stand outside and uh, wait for somebody to come in because I had so many clients coming in the front door asking for me. So you recognized early on that it was building that relationship and building oh, yeah. the world business. Yeah. And, and I realized early on it's about authenticity because I didn't try to tell these people I knew anything. Like if anything, I went the other way. I'm like, look, I just started selling cars. And, you know, I tell them the story about how I needed a demo and people, they loved it yeah. you know, versus this slick. I'm the number one salesman, like, you know, and so I've always taught people as I teach them in sales, it's like people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Right. I mean, everybody says it from Napoleon Hill. I mean, it's, 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 it's so if people know you, like you and trust you, and if you can show them your real self, your authentic self, then they're much more likely to do business with you and to refer you to their family and friends. You know, Lisa, there's a, a little uh, piece to me that you probably don't know, Ooh, but mm, uh, when I was putting together Glycolique, I had left my corporate job and I needed some cash flow there. And I sold cars at, uh, at overseas motors in Georgia, in Georgetown, in Fort Worth, Texas. Yes, I sold. How did I not know that, Megan? How have you never told me that over the years? I don't know. I really don't know. But I worked for Overseas Motors selling Jaguars for about a year. Did you like it? I loved it. Just <laughs> said, loved it. Loved it. It's loved not it. a bad job, especially no. if you're with the Jaguar dealership. You know, no, it was great. And they also, I heard often what you said. They loved the fact that I knew nothing. But it was my authenticity and, you know, my sharing about uh, building another business and so forth. And because I made it very clear to them that this was an interim job. But I often with you guys and getting to know you all, I don't mean you, Lisa, but meaning subsequent. I thought, you know, maybe that would be a good thing to do um, is just sell cars because I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And especially in the high end, you know, Chevy was a little bit dicier. It was a little bit tougher of a, it was a little more competitive, right? Cause there was the you know, 15 different Chevy dealerships in town. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like when, if, if you're in the high end luxury sales and, you know, and I really saw that at my last dealership with Alfa Romeo, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in luxury sales, like you were with Jaguar, it's such a different experience and it's really a relationship business. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, and it's great. Like I, I've told the whole world, if tomorrow, you know, real estate fell apart um, and, and I had to go do something, if someone said tomorrow, you've got to go make some money. I would go to a luxury car dealership and I would just sit at my desk and start calling people I know and take orders because that's about all it would take. And, and, and folks who are listening, that right there is a major nugget of what we've just spoken about is that a build that relationship, get yeah. that experience, and you will never have to look for a job again. Ever. Because you use those, ever you'll use those tools again and again and again. So I want to ask: in this period of time, how long did it take to get married to Mr. Copeland? Oh, good question. Let's see. I met him in 1983, and we got married in 1988. So oh. five. Oh. So now well, he, he did not want to get married. Wow. He, he always said that he, he would be 30 years old when he got married and cause he is older than me y'all. So uh, yeah, I'm not as old as he is. Um, and so he said he'd be 30 years old when he got married and he turned 30 in October and we got married in November. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. You have, you have to know my husband when he says something like he lives and dies by it. So 30 days later. Oh my goodness. But yeah. all those years you were dating and you were significant others in that. Uh, yeah. There was times that, you know, we, we might've been dating other people too. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the guy that you rang the doorbell was in your life, but yet you. Moved, yeah. You moved, well, moved yeah I mean, life. yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it took us a couple of years to say, okay, we're going to be exclusive. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then, and then there was a move to California in between that. I moved back to California for a year. Uh, Cause I got a good job. I got a big job offer. Um, and I did that for a year and then he came out to California and asked me to come back. So often it takes that. Sometimes you do. You just got to move yeah. away and show those boys what they're missing. Right. Exactly. Very much so. I, I did not have that experience personally, but I've seen that happen with yeah. other friends that they have to go. Hmm. I think yeah. I do want that person. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I was gone for over a year. So yeah, it, it, the heart the absence makes the heart grow fonder as they say. Yeah. I think so, it did this case. So you both, so you married. And yep. then, um, but you was then came back and did you stay in the car industry? I did. At that time? You I did. did. So I was in California. So uh, I was, yeah, I was in the car industry um, up until, you know, from when I told you I started up until um, JT was about three months old, my oldest son. And my, my oldest son was to be my youngest child, my only son. So, and he's 29. So, uh, I stayed in it for that long and then um, I got out and it was just too hard. It was just really hard having two kids and you know, James was in the car business. It was too much to juggle nights and weekends. You remember? Right. Right. And so I got in the mortgage business mm-hmm. because I had a big finance background from the car business. And mm-hmm. so I got the mortgage business and did very well and ended up founding a company. My husband still runs today, which is Austin mortgage associates. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been in business. Well, we've, we've been in the mortgage business about 23 years, but uh, Austin mortgage was founded in January of uh, 2000. So we've been in business almost 21 years, same office, same location sitting right there in uh, in round rock, Texas. So that brings us close to when you and I met 
in about, uh, well, what, so I don't want yeah. to jump ahead, but. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. <laughs> well, it's an, I, I could say, I said when I was, uh, you know, having a Glenn Lundy on, I said, I mentioned your um, Enjoy Boutique. I said it was a Rodeo uh, Drive a Boutique in Round Rock, Texas, is how I, I describe it. No, it truly was. And truly how you ran it was truly emblematic of you. Uh, but we met at um, a church, local church, Celebration Church. Yeah, yes. Now your children, though, so you would, you know, um, James was running the mortgage business and you and mom, right. And then you said, what What prompted you to do that? Where was, what happened yeah. with that? So gosh, I've got to think what year that was. Um, I met you about 2005-ish, six. Okay, yeah. okay. So um, I was I was running our mortgage company as the CEO. I was very, very busy in the mortgage industry. And I just made a decision one day. I told my husband, I'm like, I want to open up a boutique because that was my fashion roots. And he was like, what? I was so busy. We had so many employees. I'm like, I can do both. I can do both. And uh, I did for a couple of years. I ended up hiring a manager for the boutique because I, you know, I did have a real day job that actually paid. And the boutique was really... I was happy every month to break even. Um, and that was because I'd buy one for enjoy and one for Lisa. So it was, it was kind of like, you know, it was, it was a pat. Like I wouldn't know you as well. Like I met so many friends like Amy Dillon or Amy Westbrook. I met her yes. because Lori champion brought her to me to do my marketing and Sarah Boone, who I, I mean, like I've met so many friends and people that I worship um, and love because of that boutique. You know, I'll tell you a funny thing about Susan Hurley, who just had yes. it Wednesday. She said to me recently, we were kind of connecting the dots, and she said to me, you know, I think I saw, now I've heard many people have said this to me, I think I saw you, meaning not met you, but saw you at Enjoy Boutique. Isn't that crazy? It was. It was such a place of connection. And so people used to call it the, the non-alcoholic cheers. And I'm like, non-alcoholic? We always had wine in the thing in the back and the refrigerator in the back. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a great place. And so I, 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 had, I assumed somebody else's lease. It was in a high-end shopping center. And so mm -hmm. when my lease was up in two and a half years, I did not renew the lease mm -hmm. because I had gotten word that there was going to be a new outdoor shopping center built in Austin, Texas that would give me a run for my money, AKA the domain home of Neiman Marcus and all that. So mm -hmm. timing was great, you know, but the, the friends and the connections I made. Yeah. I gosh, I mean, I think Susan Hurley, Amy, Renee, you, Oh my gosh. I mean, I just, yeah. It was, I mean, it was a, really a wonderful time. It really was. It was another thing that I just said, what the heck? I want a boutique. I'm going to go do it. So I'm going to give a little snippet and then I want you to go to the domain. But the, the last time I saw you, because my life kind of flipped upside down personally, I mean, physically was in your, you know, connecting was when you did that fashion show at the Marriott. Oh my gosh. And that, that was long ago. one of your roots to the fashion show, right? Well, and I saw Camille Walker on your intro. Mm -hmm. And the way everyone knows Camille Walker is because she was my client in the mortgage business and I made her model in that fashion show. And I mean, she was terrified. Oh and then I introduced her to Jan Goss Gibson. Mm -hmm. I knew yeah. that they would be close. She shared that story about the fashion show. Yeah. She, did. Oh, she was so mad at me. She's like, I just wanted to throw up, fall off the stage. My knees were knocking. My lips were, she said, my teeth were chattering. <laughs> 
But she's so beautiful. I'm like, Camille, you've got to be on that stage. You're gorgeous. And Renee Bangelsdorf tells the story about how I made her clip in a ponytail and how she strutted on the stage. And that was the first time that she said, like, I just knew I could go out there and I could be in front of people and look at her now. Oh my gosh. So like even the fashion show did crazy things for women. So it was awesome. It what really was. And the way it was choreographed was so professional. Well, which, which was Amy Westbrook. She was, she's, I hired her company to, to put on the show. Right. So, so she did all the, you know, the and show. Yeah. yeah. And I had a booth, Lisa in the um, lobby of the Marriott, she then sold enterprising young lady as she is uh, booths. And so my spa and product line had a, a I remember that. Yeah. and I actually carried your product. Yes, we did. I carried yes, it. Yes. Did. Cause I love it. And I was like, Oh my God, this stuff is amazing. Everybody at, at everyone who shops with me needs to buy the Novata skincare because it's so wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. But that is, it's, Again, the genesis of so many relationships. So, okay, we allowed the uh, boutique to close. And uh, how did you go from there to the back to the auto industry and the fiat? Um, yeah, so, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I was doing some consulting at the time, and um, you know, I was just, I was, just, I was really burned out on the mortgage business. I guess that's the best way to put it. And I told my husband, I'm like, I just need to do something else. I was burned out because I was doing so much business that it, I just, I was just kind of over it. And so um, I, I had done some consulting back in the auto industry since I had some roots there. And of course I'd, I'd had a lot of success in the mortgage business. So my, you know, what I've always done consulting on is, is um, sales, right? How to go to the next level, how to get unstuck, how to, you know, and so I had an opportunity to do the consulting uh, in the automotive industry and I had a few clients and um, one of my clients just came to me and said, hey, you know, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars and X amount of time. And I've got an opportunity to relaunch Fiat to America. And um, I want you to put together the proposal and start working on it. And I was like, well, that sounds exciting. So by the time I was done with the proposal and it was so well received and, and I had other people that worked on it with me. It wasn't just me. And it was so well received by the brand. I was like. I want to be a dealer. Like I felt like it was my brand. And so again, another moment in time because I had never gone, I had never been anything higher in the automotive industry than a finance director. So mm -hmm. to be a dealer principal, you know, you're typically you've, you have been a general manager, you have run the gamut. And so um, I had to kind of jump in head first. Um, I had a huge learning curve. Uh, nobody really, um, to teach me. So a lot of it was self-education. And I write about that in my book. Um, I write about it a lot in my book in the fact that, you know, you can't always depend on somebody else. Even the people you think that might help you, they're not going to help you most of the time. You know, people don't really root for people. And, and I really learned that in this, in that whole experience. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go get it done myself. So I had three weeks a year of vacation. I spent every bit of it going to conferences, taking classes, I mean, paying for my own stuff, um, spending my own personal time becoming educated because I couldn't fail. And there was nobody that was going to make sure that I didn't fail except for me. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I really am. It was a huge investment as well, not just from uh, that, what you just said, but your own personal investment, but financially. So there was so much riding on your shoulders. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Because I had so much money in the fiat deal personally. And, mm -hmm. you know, it really taught me. And, and now as, as I teach entrepreneurs and people that are breaking in the real estate business, which I know we'll get there, so I won't go there too heavy. But, you know, is, is you know, is 
you can't depend on me for your success. You can't depend on Tarek El Musa for your, like you can't depend on anybody but you. And it's your responsibility to get up every single morning and educate yourself and figure out this whole life of being an entrepreneur. So, you know, it's kind of been my whole life, kind of the school of hard knocks, kind of figuring out by myself and whatever. And But that is the best person that you all can rely on is to rely on yourself and your spideys and, you know, and making things happen for yourself. Because if you rely on your boss, uh, coworkers, people that you think are your friends or you think are fellow leaders, they're not going to help you. They're not. Let's stay, let's stay here for a minute because this is a very key piece. Mm -hmm. Very. Um, because I truly see, and uh, as you and I have discussed, people expect, it's that expectancy of others to make things happen for themselves. It does not happen that way. You have to depend on yourself. And it's whatever uh, tool, whether it's coaches and mentors and so forth, but it's still ultimately gleaning that information for yourself to rely on yourself. You know, Megan, it is. And, you know, over the years, I've had people come to work for me in many different businesses, right? A mortgage company. I used to own an insurance company, too. So I'm surprised I was not your insurance agent. So I've owned an insurance company, a mortgage company, a car dealership, now a real estate brokerage. And every single time you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to come to work for you because they expect me to make it happen. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? I mean, I try to lay it out in the beginning. I won't make it happen. I will open doors or I will lead by example, or I will point you in the right direction. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be successful, only person who can make it happen is you. So I am grateful for my last experience in the car business because I learned the hard way that nobody is going to stand with you, support you, or help you. You've got to make it happen yourself. So when you accomplish the big things and when great things happen, you know, it gives you a 10x, 100x the confidence when when you when you pull it off because yeah. because you know that everything inside of you made it happen and don't you agree lisa that even if from the world and i'm not saying this was you uh or your experience but even if the world perceives that it wasn't successful if like you just used the word term pulled it off meaning from what you um uh, set out to do and you accomplish that that only you also know that you've accomplished that Right. You know, I mean, because for instance, let's just take the uh, auto industry, you know, this dealer has been in business for 50 years, family and so forth. Well, that doesn't make it necessarily successful, meaning that uh, your time with that was so very successful. Yeah. And and um, and people, you know, and, and when you when you hear the story, like this is, you know, one little book I wrote, but like like this, you know when you write a book this is this is the book because you always write about your successes what i'd love to write the book on is where everywhere i failed because then it would be like the whole series of the encyclopedia britannia which is that how you say it? i mean remember those i mean i remember yeah. the same person would come to the door and bring us a new yes yes yeah. yeah and um anyways but that being said you know i mean you've got to learn to fail forward and and when you're very reliant on yourself you do fail a lot. Like I had a lot of failures and a lot of challenges um, learning something at, and having to go from here to the highest level immediately and um, and really just being out there on an island. And so, um, you know, you really see what you're made of, but you also have to know that you're going to make mistakes along the way. And God knows I have made plenty of them along the way. And it's all about how you recover from that mistake. And the recovery is, number one, you realize what the mistake was, 
and you don't do it again. And number three, you, you forgive yourself, you dust yourself off and go, okay, let's go. It's time to go again. Go again. And that's mm -hmm. the, the key right there is to keep going and not stop. Take that information and keep going. But you have an amazing story to share with our listeners about, and I don't want to use the incorrect words, but your um, bet or joust or how did you tie together with uh, the president of Fiat? Yes. So um, there will be one person in your life that, you know, as all of you go along your careers, you know, I want everybody out there who's listening to this podcast to think about what is, who's the one person today, right? As, as we're, as we're heading out of a weird year, I'm not gonna say a bad year. I didn't have a bad year. It was a weird year. Okay. It was a different year. It was a year of pivots and, and all kinds of stuff. But so as you, as you head out of 2020 and you go into 2021, I want to challenge your listeners to who is the one person that you would meet that could change your life and what are you willing to do to meet them? And I set the story up by that because in 2012, again, as I'm kind of on an island and, you know, sink or swim with my life savings invested in this, I shouldn't say mine, mine and my husband's, life savings invested in this, you know, relaunch of Fiat to America and me just like, you know, again, on an island. Um, I had heard a speech by a gentleman by the name of Sergio Marchionne and I'd heard it in 2010 and 2010 was a weird year in the auto industry, right? Chrysler was on the brink of bankruptcy as was General Motors. Ford was hanging on by, it was, you know, the whole country was in trouble. They were in peril. And I heard a speech by a man who was the chairman of the board of Fiat Chrysler Maserati global chair, Fiat Chrysler Maserati Alfa Romeo Ferrari Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram most powerful man in the auto industry, head of the European Auto Union. And I heard him give a speech and it was called A Promise for a Promise. And he basically looked at a bunch of weary dealers and he said, you know what? I know that our quality has suffered. I know we've had some issues, but you know what, Mr. Dealer out there, you haven't done a good job either. You've not taken care of our customers. Our customer service scores are terrible. Your dealership facilities are atrocious, blah, blah, blah. So you want me to do my part? I'm gonna promise you these things. But for me to do it, you have to do your part. So, so I, you know, this is our contract today. It's going to be a promise for a promise. And I was so inspired by that speech that when I became a Fiat dealer, I said to the head of the Fiat brand at the time, I said, what would it take to meet Marchione? I said, he just, and he's like, you're never going to meet Marchione. Get over it. There's, he's got 6,000 retailers around the world. He's the chairman of the board, head of Ferrari. Like it's not happening. And I said, Oh, okay. So I, I left it there because I was, we were still a new dealer then. Well, as, as we, as we were the first dealer to, in the country to open and I was taking a big leadership role within the brand with all the emerging dealers, I, I, I kept bugging him. And every month my store came in number one, number one in the country, number one in the country. And so I said, okay, look, Marchione has to know who we are because Fiat was his baby. I want to meet him. And he's like, you're not going to meet him. And so I said, what will it take? And this was, and he was just like, you have to break the world sales record, not me, but my team. You have to, you know, your team needs to break the world sales record. Great. What's that number? He did some research. He got back to me. He said, you're going to have to sell a hundred of the small, the Cinquecento, the 500. You'll have to sell a hundred of those in a 30 day period. Um, end of story. So I said, okay, that's the number. So if that happens, we meet Marchione. Yes, yes. So long story short, my team goes into overdrive. We do not hit it the first month. Um, <coughs> we did like 92. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, 
So I, I called him back and I'm like, he's like, great. You're number one in the country. I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to get back to the bet. I go, I go, I need, I need a one month extension. And he said, you can't get there you can, because the factory can see our inventory. You know, they've got line of sight to everything. What I had coming in for inventory, what I had in stock. Cause I had sold so many cars the month before. Mm-hmm. And so I dwindled my inventory. And, um, and I said, you don't worry about where I'm going to get cars. I just need you to extend the bet. And he said, okay. And so again, this is where relationships come in because I had helped so many of the dealers around the country and, you know, and really been out there making sure to help them succeed because I wanted the brand to succeed. I started dialing for dollars and I had dealers from all over the country. Um, but the biggest one was my dear friend, Tony down in, he was in McKinney at the time. He now runs, he now runs Ferrari of Houston, but, and he pretty much released to me most of his inventory and which was going to cost him a hundred thousand dollars. He's like, but I want you to win. I want, I want you to, to do this because it'll make automotive news, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I did. And I was buying cars. I, you know, so you have to imagine we're in the shopping center in the domain and there's these huge trucks coming and loaded with cars, dumping them off. And people are like, Oh my God, what are you doing? I go, you can't sell something you don't have. And we're going to break this world sales record. So we did it. My team was absolutely phenomenal. We closed at 109 units. And um, so I called the head of Chrysler, of course, Fiat. And he, he knew it. He was watching it. And the next day, and he's like, Lisa, I have not told Marchione. None of us thought this could happen. He's not coming. Like, I, I don't even know why I made this crazy bet with you. He said, um, you know, George Clooney does all of our advertising and he does all of our marketing in Italy. And that's how it is in, in Europe. You know, mega stars do TV commercials in Europe. They won't do them here. But and so you all can go to to YouTube and you can actually see George Clooney in 2012. He was Fiat spokesperson in Italy. And he said, so, you know, we've got JLo, we've got uh, Pitbull, we've got whatever. And he goes, he goes, but we will we're going to fly you on the on the Chrysler jet uh, to Italy and you're going to have dinner with George Clooney. And I'm like, no, 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 no. First of all, that's never going to fly at my house. Oh, hey, babe, I'm going to Italy to have dinner with George Clooney. (laughs) Really? That'd be like him saying, oh, I'm going to go to Italy and have dinner with Giselle. It's like, no, you're not. So that wasn't going to happen. But even if my husband wanted to play along, um, that, you know, meeting Clooney would not change my life. And I said, no, only Marchione will do. So a lot of negotiation went in. They called Marchione. Marchione was so flattered that I chose him over George Clooney that he flew in uh, like literally in, on, on his G5. And at the time he was under death threats in, in Europe because he was the head of the European Auto Union and, 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 and he was trying to bust the unions. And so he had to send in a whole security team to my dealership the night before. They were on our roofs. They had to shut down the... Um, roads around my store. He was brought in in a motorcade. I mean, nuts. And he and I had a private meeting and I was so nervous. And we sat back there. And the first thing he said to me was he was Italian. He's, he's passed away a couple years ago, but he said, you chose me over George Clooney. And I said, I did. I said, because I know that you would be the one to change my life. And he did. He made some major moves for me and uh, made some appointments for me, um, built me my own car with my own VIN number named after me. Um, you know, he, 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 he did a lot for me. So he was the one person that changed the trajectory of my career forever, because to this day, I still get paid to consult. I still get paid to speak because of Marchione. And, um, that's what I would challenge all of you. And it's not easy. Like you may have to go break a world sales record. I don't know what it is because to meet somebody of that magnitude, you've got to do something big. 
but you got to do what I did. I put my blinders on. I put my head down. I mean, the people I worked with told me, not my team, but the other people in the organization told me I was crazy. It's never going to happen. I'm embarrassing them. Why am I making these big statements in automotive news that you're a joke? And I'm like, no, I'm going to meet Marchione. And it changed my life. It changed my career forever. And it's so just to recap for our listeners, it's that it may not be someone of that magnitude, but right. it, but there are people and is a person that you have wanted to connect with and know that that person, the power of association that will truly change the trajectory of your career and your life. And so this is a perfect time to sit back and and really do that soul searching and think through that, you know, who and what will truly make that difference in your career and in your lives. Yeah. What and, I, and, and then you have to think about what, what are you willing to do to get to that person? Because it. people that are that high profile, you can't usually get to them. Right. And so mm -hmm. maybe you take it down a notch, but again, you can't, you, you know, you can't be somebody who just, you know, emails people, Hey, I want to have a meeting that isn't going to happen. So it's, it's a two way street. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, Marchione had a brand that left America as fix it again. Tony, he was having a hard time getting any traction on the brand as the chairman of the board, mm -hmm. except for my dealership did. And so, you know, it benefited him. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the story was so good, and the, you know, I mean, the press went nuts with the story over Mark, over George Clooney. But it was all true. Yeah. But it's also the naysayers, because that's the other thing. The oh, yeah. the naysayers are what can stop you in your tracks, and that's with situation. So you just put your blinders on and said, "This is what I'm doing." And then you, like your friend up in McKinney, who got behind you, bringing the yeah. inventory in. Uh, because they saw you meant business, you were going to do it, and they were going to come along with you. And so that's. Another and I actually had him on the front row. I'm sure. I brought him in. I brought him on the front row, and I brought him back to meet Mr. Marchione. And I said, it's because of this man right here. Mm -hmm. So he went from being a Fiat dealer to now he's a Ferrari dealer in Houston. So there was. So. Yeah, the residual yeah. benefit for his life as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It was it, it was good for all of our lives, for sure. Yeah. Yes, but a, a wonderful story, and it will go on forever. You know, yeah. it's it's part of you, which is wonderful as well. So then, after that season, when you realize, well, let's let's go into that a bit because here was you attained that that notoriety, and so like, and I'm not equating this to the boutique at all, but what I'm saying is that I think it's also important for people to understand when it's time to have that evolution. You have to go in within and listen to your inner voice and know that it's time. So share a little bit about that because that was, you could have gone on and on. So what? Uh, yeah. So I had the opportunity to sell in 2016 and, you know, it just got to the point, you know, I mean, there's only so many bells you can ring. Mm -hmm. um, there's only so many months you can be number one. Um, I was on the national dealer council. So I, for uh, which Mr. Marchione appointed me to. So I, um, I, I, I kind of knew the writing on the wall for the Fiat brand. I knew that it would be going away, which it is. Um, and, and there'd be, you know, anyways, so, you know, I knew a lot of things that were coming. Um, 
I was, you know, it was time for me to go do my thing, right? To take what the success I'd had. I wanted some freedom, you know, running a car dealership. I was working six days a week. I, I was an owner and I couldn't even take a day off. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to go live. And so at that point, so 2000, March of 2016, March 16th, actually happiest day of my life of 2016, I sold the dealership. Uh, I co-authored a book with, with my best friend, Renee Bangelsdorf, Crushing Mediocrity. Um, we went on some speaking tours. I, I was picked up by an agent in New York. And so they booked me pretty heavily to speak you know, as a former woman car dealer. I, I did a TV show in Canada called Car Sharks um, in Toronto. Um, yeah, and the premise was it was five car dealers, four guys and me. And so that was that was interesting. Everyone, everyone should do reality television once in a lifetime. Um, I'm kidding because it's terrible. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and so and so I was very heavily booked speaking and consulting. And then March of 2020 hits. I'd already spoke. I'd already had four huge keynotes. I had done Bloomberg, Citrix, North American Band Lines and Miracle Ear, all their big corporate uh, retreats and their corporate uh, conferences. And um, I was in Chicago with North American Van Lines and the, I was the closing keynote speaker in the van and the meeting planner said, we got to get you out of here tonight. I was like, I'm meeting with the leadership in the morning. Why? And she said, because Chicago is getting ready to go into lockdown. Mm -hmm. I'm like, for what? Like, I'm still like not getting it. And she's mm -hmm. like, oh, the quote, the COVID coronavirus. And I'm like, really? I thought I was still in China. Like, I was so clueless to it. Like, mm -hmm. and uh, so I got home and just everything started canceling. Everything, everything, everything. I mean, you know, I say to, you know, I've been through a lot of personal tsunamis and pandemics and things, but yeah. I've never been told to close my door and lock it. Yeah. Never. So, um, so here you came home and the, the world shut down. Yeah. And uh, so you could not go back out into the speaking world that you were building and building. And mm -hmm. so you then evolved one more time. I'm thinking, what is the only thing in the world I haven't done so far? <laughs> I've owned a boutique and insurance. I got, yeah, right. And I was like, I'm going to get a real estate license because, you know, we still own our mortgage company. And so I was like, you know, I'll sell one or two a month because I know everybody and that would be great. And so I went and got my real estate license. Um, and as fate would have it, I've got a, uh, a very dear friend uh, who, in fact, I, I will give him a little plug. He wrote the book, The Listing Boss, Haas Pratt. And he and I had the same agent in New York. And so we got to know each other pretty well. And he was out in the road speaking and doing a lot of stuff. And so I had just gotten my license and he called me. I guess I put something on Facebook maybe. And anyways, he called me, which I like to say, answer the call. People call. And he goes, do you have a real estate license, Lisa? And I said, I do. He goes, so you're not speaking. You're not da, 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 doing TV. I go, I'm not. I am. I am. I'm going to be a realtor, Haas. And he goes, you need to get to Dallas. He said, you know, do you know, do you know Tarek El Moussa from HGTV? And I'm like, well, no, but I watch his show and I, I love him. I think he's great. And he goes, well, uh, I got a unique opportunity for you and uh, we need you. So that was my, so that was probably like the end of March or maybe the first of April. I'm so bad with dates. And it was the first time I'd like, like left my house besides to go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited. I told my husband, I said, I'm driving to Dallas tomorrow. And he's like, why? I said, so I, I can meet with Haas and Tarek and, and they, they have a deal. And he was like, oh God, here we go. Okay. <laughs> and so the rest is history. And it's just, it's been game changing. And I will tell you of all of the deals I've done, this has been the best.
Well, share a little bit about EXP Realty. Share it with our viewers a little bit about it because there are many people that are sitting at home right now maybe continuing to work at their job, whatever that might be, but their job has changed dramatically and their lives around it have changed dramatically. And they may have not gotten their realtor, their real estate license yet, but they are saying, what am I going to do? Yeah. How, you know, what is out there? Because that I see is one of the most dicey things is people are not clear on what will be you know, available to them. And so share a little bit about the company itself and the background to this company. Yeah, thank you for asking. So, you know, this has been the first time in since 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 I left my own mortgage company that I have had a team, that I've had a leadership team that we are so all in for each other and for the company that it's it's so pure at like every crazy level. I can I can message Tark at whatever time I need this, I need that, da, da, da. I mean like he's like, let's do this. And so EXP, you know, so we are, our team, we are, we are brokered by EXP Realty, but um, EXP is a publicly traded company. It's 10 years old. Um, when I started with the company, uh, uh, my stock was at $17. It's now at $76 yeah. as of today. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm just watching like my, my 401k and luckily I made an investment and like, it's nuts. Um, but really, you know, there's just so many different facets to it, but the thing there, there's two parts I love about it. Number one is that we we have the fastest and largest growing team within EXP, and probably one of the ones in the country and in the world because we are a global company. So I've got agents in Canada and Mexico and all over the place. Um, that we help people, you know, we help agents and we teach them how to build generational wealth. And the generational wealth is both from agent attraction. That means building up their own global brokerage, but we also teach them. Um, what Tarek has done, and that is how to flip houses, how to invest, how to flip and hold, how to, you know, and all of that. And so we are just as much about educating our, our leaders, our, our agents, our teammates on financial literacy for themselves mm -hmm. as we are showing them how to best serve their clients and to show other people, AKA their clients, how they can build generational wealth through real estate. Because there is no, if all the companies in the world I've ever owned, um, I've never made more money than when I have flipped a piece of real estate. It's and, and what's interesting, you'll about, never lose in real estate ever, 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 never, not one time. If you hold it long enough, you'll never lose money. And that, you know, I watch his show, um, all the time and, yeah. uh, love that station. Keep it on often. Yeah. And, um, it's so interesting how, like you said, that whole process of flipping a home, but most, and not everyone can do that, you know? So what you're saying is that there's a piece to this that you can be part of it without actually, um, you know, doing demo day. And so oh, my goodness. Yes. I mean, the majority of our team do, does not flip homes. They don't have the wherewithal yeah. to do it. Um, but, you know, but we actually I mean, uh, we, we have the money if 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 one of our agents wants, you know, finds a great deal and brings us the package and it, it pencils, we will fund it. I mean, so it's, there's that. We, I mean, we will fund it. We will, we will show you how to do it. I spent all weekend. Um, 
I spent all weekend on like on with Tarek and a couple of the guys on the team. Like we did like a nine hour training and I was like, my brain hurt when I was done, but it's just really important to be able to, for me to go be able to train our team on it. And then to even educate the consumers, you know, flipping is not for everybody, but I will tell you so many people are sitting on homes right now that if, if, if they would, you know, improve the kitchen, improve the bathroom, mm -hmm. you throw 20,000 in it, you're going to get 60, $70,000 in return due to what's going on in our real estate market today and the scarcity of it. So it's really about building and teaching uh, our clients, my clients, how to build generational wealth, how to build equity, how to make a small um, investment in, in, in their current home that will, that will 10x within a couple of years so that when it's time for them to go sell that home, that, that, you know, that they make so much more money on it. So, so it's very multifaceted. Which, yeah, which that was, I got AD. Say it again. I said, I love the multifacetedness yeah. of the yeah. whole thing. That is what really fascinates and interests me is because here we are in Texas, but we both know uh, people all over the world mm -hmm. who are realtors. So yeah. you could potentially be involved with this. Yeah. I mean, in the last week, we have opened in India, Portugal, France, Mexico, and I'm missing one. But isn't that enough? And then, and then we're in every province in Canada and we're in the UK and we're in South Africa. So it's like, you know, so it's just, it's, to me, it's interesting because I'm not like stuck in Cedar Park, Texas, right? Mm -hmm. so I have conversations now with people all over the world. You know, we're looking to bring on a big team out of Mexico. Now, interesting, fun fact, in Mexico, you do not have to have a real estate license. So oh, wow. EXP has figured out how to put this whole thing together. So talking to people from around the world, I spend so much time on Skype and webinars. My husband's always like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm talking to somebody in South Africa who's thinking about opening or, you know, moving their real estate brokerage with us. Mm -hmm. um, so it's so interesting. And that's, I think that's what I need at this point in my life. I need something that like stimulates my brain, makes me really think and um, the highest and best use of me is, um, is strategy. I'm a strategist. Mm -hmm. I, I look at all my businesses. We win because, because I have a plan. I go in with a plan and I know how to execute. So I really like helping agents and uh, what, what we call indie brokers, which are independent brokers. I love helping them create a strategy, a plan, and then coming with us so we can help them execute. And the other thing back to your whole story, you don't have to worry about a brick and mortar structure. No, it is it is global and they're without walls and you can yeah. utilize all of your talents and expertise and background with everything that we've talked about here that with this uh, experience with this structure of exp reality. It's, yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's, it, it's a technology. It's a cloud based company. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, Megan, that has stretched me because we are so technologically based. That there are days I'm just like, oh my gosh, yeah, like, you know, it's a lot, you know, and to learn the technology and to learn the systems and all the things. So I am stretched on a daily basis. And I will tell you, I'm up at about seven, seven thirty up here in my office every morning. And it's because I'm I'm taking more classes and I'm learning and I'm learning more about the technology and the systems and everything we're doing because we are a global brokerage now. And that's what Tarek and uh, has really tasked me with is is you know making uh really, you know, bringing in more of a global group. Mm -hmm. You know, and around the world and that to me is so darn interesting very much so Lisa but I have to commend you and I'm sure everyone who's listening to this and who will listen subsequently on the podcast to Bravo just applaud you because honestly that is one of the challenges I have personally you know is all that technology but I'm not going to stop and I will not stop and I will continue because ultimately what you and I 
you know, have in common is that we truly want to help others grow as well. We and, do. And you and I are just, we're not the youngest chicks in the world anymore. I mean, I could bring my eight-year-old grandson up here, Eli, and he would have, he'd be like, la, la, this is all you have to do, right? So our brains, we're just wired differently. Yeah. Yes, we don't have, it's not the years and years of experience. And on some level, it's, I don't, I don't want to use the word fear, but it's like, oh, can I do that? Is that, you know, yes, it's scary, you know, wrong? Yes, it is that as well. And so the more you do, the more you see that you can do it. So it's, but it's and not. Every little win, I, I just want to tell everybody of a certain age, and I don't know what that age is, but I have learned by, by taking on this, this monster almost, I feel like of technology of being a global firm, mm -hmm. uh, every little win I have, I celebrate. And I will just encourage you guys and gals, if you stick with whatever you're trying to learn in technology, you'll learn something tomorrow, today, that you will go, okay, tomorrow, and you'll go one step in front of the other. And I'm so far ahead in the last 30 days, because I just haven't given up. Haven't given up, haven't stopped. Yeah. Well, speaking of stopping, I we could go on and on, and I did it, and it's we're, our time is coming to a close. But Lisa, uh, you and I, you have a very, very close dear friend, and she's uh, becoming a friend of Sharon Lecter. Yeah. And um, I always close the, uh, the show with this, uh, with about three feet from gold, mm -hmm. uh, and Sharon's uh, and Greg's success formula, you know, and it's passion plus uh, talent. Times association, uh, not uh, passion, excuse me, talent plus passion, times association plus talent plus faith equals success. Now, I'm not going to ask you all of those, but what I ask everyone is what is your passion and what is your talent? Okay, my, my passion is to leave the world a better place than I found it and to empower others, especially women. So that is my passion. And my talent is, is that I'm really good at teaching people how to uh, build a strategic plan because I can, I can look at any business. I can close my eyes and within a second or two, I'm like, okay, here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that is my talent. And, um, but, but my, my passion is to empower others. I just, mm -hmm. just makes it a better planet. And that's the reason you can pick up the phone when you need a favor and you get a favor. Amen. And that's yeah. truth, folks. That's truth. And you know, that's a great closing for December 18th, a week before Christmas. Yeah, and um, I thank you so much for being with me. And I hope that we have, and you, Lisa, have uh, just empowered people to really take that first step. And, and, and or if you're in that step, don't stop. Keep going. That's it. Don't quit. Don't, don't let fear bind you up. Um, walk out on faith. And I just want to wish uh, all of your listeners and everybody watching today, a very Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah. Um, and just go into 2021 with the mindset that you're going to crush it. Amen. Amen. Will you hang in the green room for a little bit, Miss Lisa, and we'll see in a few minutes. Okay. Wow. 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 Well, I hope you were as empowered uh, as I, I know a lot of uh, Lisa's story, but the uh, essence and different little nuggets that I learned during this uh, was so, so lovely and so empowering. So just know that we are all here for you. You can reach Lisa. Her information will be in the, uh, the uh, text of this. And uh, she mentioned her book, Crushing Medi Mediocrity. And she has another book about the auto industry. Uh, I really suggest 
you know, purchasing those, and but following her on her social media. And if you have any interest in EXP Realty, do uh, contact Lisa Copeland. So we will see you. And actually, I'm going to be on next Friday. I'm going to be interviewing. I'm going to tape it, though, with my niece, Gabriella McNamara. And Gabriella has a very unique story, but highly affected by this uh very uh, challenging time. She is, has a PR company, and two of her major clients are Princess Cruise Line and the city of Orlando. But she hasn't stopped, and she will not stop. So her story, um, she will share her story next Friday on Christmas Day. So have a wonderful week. Merry Christmas. Have a beautiful, beautiful week, and be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you, my book, Hope and Possibilities Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.